Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, we're going to talk about EVs, but not the cars per se, but the filling stations of the future. So this week's show is all about EV charging. Now, there's a big push worldwide for electric vehicles. Now, U.S. government is finally now firmly behind the transition to electric vehicles. There's a lot of people that absolutely love their gas guzzlers, and obviously the fossil fuel companies like those. But what's really changed over the past five years or so is both the environmental benefits of electric vehicles, you know, zero emissions when charged by renewable energy, and the economics, in other words, how much do they cost and are they practical? They're now fully aligned. And what I've really observed in the solar industry over the last 20 years is when the economics are favorable, the people who have an environmental interest, they jump on it. And even people that kind of maybe are a little bit ambivalent about the environmental benefits, they're like, hey, this electric vehicle is cheaper. It's better. And so that's where we're at with EVs right now. It's really exciting. So what's so good about electric vehicles? I'm not going to kind of dive right into the environmental benefits. We'll talk about that in a sec. But they really provide an enjoyable driving experience. They're silent, quiet. You, know, you can get some EVs that actually have artificial noise inside, so you can hear something like a motor. They have very fast throttle response, very quick. And that basically, in engineering terms, that means that they have good torque, instant torque. So you put your foot on the gas, it's an instant electric motor firing up and starting to spin. In a gasoline car, you put your foot on the gas, it opens up the fuel injector, the fuel injector sprays a little bit more fuel into the engine, and then that kind of, you know, maybe over half a second or so or a second, get that engine starts running. But in EV, it's instantaneous. And in many regards, except for one, which we'll talk about in a little while, they're more convenient. Much lower maintenance. The reason is that they don't have an engine with all the moving parts and you don't have to change the oil. There's no coolant. There's fewer things that you have to grease. They have regenerative braking, which means basically when you put your foot on the brake or in some EVs, even if you let your foot off the gas, they gradually slow down. Now, they're not slowing down because of braking. They're slowing down because... The electric motor kind of goes in reverse and turns into a generator and slows the wheels down. And generator, you're generating electricity. Where does that electricity go? It goes back into the battery. So you regenerate the energy. It makes it very efficient. In other words, the energy you're using to speed up the car, you get most of that back when the car slows down because you're not hitting the brakes, which turn that energy into heat. The engine turns into a generator and it turns that energy back into electricity, charges up the battery. The fuel costs can be lower for electric vehicles than gas. And the reason why I say it can be, it depends really with EVs when you charge, where you charge, and how you charge. We'll talk about that obviously on the show. You can go in the high occupancy vehicle lane. It's a really big benefit, especially now that the economy is bouncing back and the roads here are pretty crowded, really all over the country. But here in California, you can go on the HOV lane on Highway 101, Highway 17, Highway Highway 85, you know, most of the roads. It's great. You can zip right over into that left-hand lane, and during rush hour, you got a little bit of a privilege. Now, a little bit of a glitch, a little bit of surprise about this high-occupancy vehicle lane. You get a sticker when you get your car. you got to apply for that sticker. And the stickers are good for four years, and you can't renew them. So if you have an old electric vehicle, unfortunately, even though it's probably almost as efficient it was when you bought it, you can't go in the HOV lane. They kind of force you to buy a new electric vehicle, which, you know, may be good for the EV companies, but it means that the used car market for EVs isn't as robust as it could be. And it's kind of too bad because people can't buy a used EV, and it's even though it's their only EV, they can't go in the HOV lane. And finally, I mentioned that the emissions 
when fuel from renewable resources are zero. So really big benefits about EVs. There's one big problem. That's the fact that charging infrastructure, the fueling infrastructure, isn't as ubiquitous as for gasoline cars. You know, without a convenient and easy place to charge up your car, to refuel it, you could get a little bit worried when you're driving. Let's say you have an EV with a 200-mile range and you're down to a 50-mile range. Well, if your gas car was on a quarter of a tank, you know, hey, looking at the sign and I can go another 20 miles on the highway and then there's the next gas station over there, I'm fine. But with an EV, you're going to start getting worried. It's called range anxiety. No matter how big your battery is, there's going to be times when you run low on juice. Big battery, you're going on a long trip, you get towards that down to a quarter of a tank of, of electricity and you're going to start sweating about finding a place to fill up. So without convenient filling stations, you can be nervous on long trips. Tesla did a great job of alleviating that issue by building their own supercharger network. Really expensive, but it's super convenient. So as there's more and more chargers showing up, that infrastructure problem is basically going to go away. So let's talk a little bit about fuel costs. I'm going to dive into some numbers over here. And I'm going to base it on a really oversimplification of the EV, electric vehicle, mileage. Now, we're not going to measure it in miles per gallon. We're going to measure it in miles per kilowatt hour. And that's, you know, kilowatt hour is kind of like a gallon. It's the amount of energy. A gallon actually has a lot more energy than a kilowatt hour. But, you know, it's, it's comparable. Now, the range, the mileage of EVs, it changes from EV to EV. It's usually around somewhere between 2.5 miles per kilowatt hour to three miles per kilowatt hour. And the three is among the most efficient EVs, probably the smaller EVs, things like that. I'm going to use the three miles per kilowatt hour in this comparison just because it makes the math easier. So if we're looking at the typical PG&E electric rate of 30 cents a kilowatt hour, now I know that it varies anywhere from like 15 to over 50 cents, but if we just say it's the average of 30 cents a kilowatt hour and you're getting three miles of range per kilowatt hour, it costs you 10 cents a mile to drive that EV. Now, if you were to charge on the EV rate from the utility at 18 cents a kilowatt hour, now your costs are down to six cents a mile. And if you were charging from your own solar power, which I'm going to just ballpark say that the home solar electric rate is 10 cents a kilowatt hour. Your driving cost is 3 cents a mile. Now, here's where it gets a little bit weird and it's a little bit surprising. If you use a public charger, the costs for charging at public electric vehicle chargers vary tremendously. Sometimes it ranges, you know, in terms of electricity, it can be from 20 or 30 cents. I've seen them up to 90 cents a kilowatt hour. So, What's going to happen is when you charge at a public charging station, it's going to be more expensive. You're basically paying for the charger. Somebody bought that. You're paying for electricity, and whoever is providing the electricity is going to make some money on it. So the public charging rates vary, but I'd say they're more in the range of $0.20 cents to $0.50 cents a mile compared to $0.10 cents a mile if you charge up at home. No surprise. Now, how does that compare to a gas car? Well, let's just say that the gas car gets an average of 30 miles a gallon, and gas is three and a half dollars a gallon, that's about 12 cents a mile. So you can see that depending on how and when and where you charge your electric vehicle up, you can clearly be less than a gas vehicle. Now, obviously also the price of gas is quite variable. So a lot of moving parts, but overall you really see that the EVs, when you're charging it in an inexpensive way, they're less expensive to drive. The mileage is better. Now, talking about EV mileage, in a regular gasoline car, it doesn't matter really how hot it is outside, how cold it is outside. The mileage really just varies based on the speed at which you're going. When you're going slowly, 
there's less wind resistance, less loss from the wind. You get better mileage. When you're going fast, the mileage actually goes down. Now, with a gas car, it's even worse because you're in stop-and-go city traffic. Every time you put your foot on the brake, the energy that went into that car getting started is lost. Whereas with an EV, every time you put on the brake, you get about 80% of that back. So bizarrely, the mileage for EVs is better in stop-and-go driving than high-speed driving on the highway. And the mileage also varies a lot. This is a bizarre one based on the temperature. Because in an EV on a cold day, the only way to warm up the cabin in the car is by turning on an electric heater. Sometimes some of them have heat pumps, but still, electric heater. Whereas in a gas car, you've got heat from the engine. The radiator's got (laughs) boiling water. And you can actually use that heat to heat up the cabin in the car. So with EVs, when it's really cold, the mileage goes down. And when you're going fast mileage is low, just like a regular car. But when you're going slowly, the mileage is really good. In a regular car, it's even worse mileage there. All right. So th- these electric costs and these EV fuel costs vary a lot. But you know, overall, the EVs are usually cheaper to operate. Now, so that's basically the economics of how much it's going to cost to get from point A to point B. Obviously, much less maintenance. But now let's talk about the main topic of the show today, which is charging. So you hear about the charging level one, charging level two, charging level three. So the industry has characterized the type of EV chargers based on the speed at which they charge. It's really dependent on the voltage and the current. So EV charger level one, that's kind of a standard charger. It has a three-prong plug, a ground, a hot, and a neutral, and that just plugs into the wall. Any standard wall socket you can plug it in it's drawing 120 volts because that's the voltage out of the outlet and they're usually running on a 15 amp circuit so that ev charger can charge your car at about 15 amps max 1500 watts and it's very slow so a way to characterize the speed at which you charge is the miles of range per hour so if you're going to charge with that standard plug-in charger you're going to get about five miles of range in your ev per hour All right. We'll talk about what that means in a minute. All right. So if we have a level two charger, and that's kind of the popular thing, people say, I'm going to install an EV charger. It's a level two charger. That level two charger runs not at 120 volts, but it runs at 240 volts and it runs at 30 or 40 amps. So typically you can get 7,200 watts out of a level two charger compared to 1500 watts for a level one charger. Now it requires a dedicated circuit, you know, nothing really special. Electricians can put that in pretty easily. Sometimes you can plug into an existing 240 volt outlet. If you have a dryer outlet, unplug the dryer, plug in your car charger. There's switches that allow you to kind of switch between the dryer and the car charger. It's great. And so what does that mean? Well, the level two chargers, if you're charging at say 7,200 watts, kind of full power, you can get like 25 miles of range per hour. So that's pretty good. So 25 miles of range per hour compared to five miles of range per hour, you get five times faster charging. In a minute, we'll talk about, gee, what does that really mean in terms of mileage, in terms of how long it takes to charge up the car. Now, all EVs, excluding Tesla, use this standard connector. A Tesla has an adapter. So if you have a Tesla, don't worry about it. There's just this little black thing that you plug in between the Tesla plug and everything's fine. Now, charging level three is the fastest charging method, and that can be 100 miles of range per hour or more, four times more than a level two charger. You know, on some of these chargers, you can get 80% of your vehicle charged up in 20 or 30 minutes, and it's really great. Now, the reason why they're able to charge so fast is level one chargers operate at 120 volts, level two chargers operate at 240 volts, 
Level 3 chargers operate at 480 volts. Now, that's kind of commercial-level electricity. Your house doesn't have that level of power. But these public charging stations, they do, and that's how they're able to charge so quickly. Now, some of these also charge um, AC. They charge the DC. So the good thing about charging at a high voltage on DC is the battery is DC. So you can directly charge the battery without having to go through an AC conversion from the grid to the DC that your battery uses. And many of the public charging networks like ChargePoint, EVgo, Electrify America, and Tesla use these level three fast chargers and they've all kind of got it figured out as far as what kind of plug you're gonna need for your car. So don't sweat that. Okay, so different charging speeds. Eh, Maybe it's a little bit of noise, but it really means a lot based on how long it takes to charge your car based on the kind of charger you're going to use. So I like to look at this from the perspective of how many miles do you drive per day? If you have a 30-mile daily round-trip commute, 15 miles to work, 15 miles back, maybe an errand on the way, and then you're charging at 18 cents a kilowatt hour, which is the EV rate, it'll take about 10 kilowatts of energy to charge up your car. And that would be 6.7 hours on a regular home plug-in, any outlet, level one charger, 6.7 hours. So you come home from work after you drive your 30 miles, you plug in, you're charged up in less than seven hours. If you had a level two charger, you could charge up in an hour and a half. And that, you know, obviously much faster. Your daily charging costs at the numbers we were talking about, about $1.80 per day for charging your car. That's pretty good. Now, let's say you were going to go on a 200-mile trip. You have a, an EV that has a 250-mile range, right? So, yeah, 250 miles of range. I'll still have a fifth of a tank by the time I'm done with my 200-mile trip. How long will it take to charge up that 200-mile battery for that trip? Well, it needs 67 kilowatt hours. And if you were going to put 67 kilowatt hours of energy into your car on a level one charger, that'd take 45 hours. That's like almost two days. Yeah, kind of like, oh, I really... Don't want to just plug in my car for two days. I need a level two charger. With that level two charger, you can get that 67 kilowatt hours of energy in 9.3 hours, and it would cost you about $12. So, you know, we had talked about running the math before. It's cheaper than gas if you charge with inexpensive electricity. All right. So obviously you can see that, you know, for people who are going to be going on more than 20 or 30 miles a day, you really do need a level two charger. Otherwise, you're going to have to park your car in the garage for two days to go on the trip. All right, so how do you go about putting in a level two charger? Well, basic requirements, you're going to need a 30 or 40 amp circuit. Most times you just standardize on a 40 amp circuit. You want to put that charging socket and the cord in a place in your garage that's convenient to your car's charging point. I actually have my charger on the sidewall of the house and I can charge up my car when it's either in the garage, but almost it's never in the garage because I got too much crap in the garage, or when I park it in the driveway. So here's some things to think about. You want to think about the length of the cord you get for your EV charger. And what surprised me is the biggest variable in terms of the cost of an EV charger is the length of the cord. Because when you go with a longer cord, it has to be much thicker wired. It's actually quite expensive. All right, to put in this circuit breaker and circuit, usually you need an electrician to do it. They're usually going to need to pull the building permit. Some cities are cheap for that. Some cities, you know, might be 250 bucks to get that building permit, plus the cost of the charger and plus the cost of the electrician to put it in. Now, lots and lots of charger options available. You know, three, four, five years ago when I was looking at it, 
I was like, you know, I can't, it's standard Bosch charger. Siemens makes them. Leviton makes them. These are all big electrical companies that are making car chargers. ChargePoint and a few other EV specialty companies came in. Now, when I went online on Amazon, there was all these companies that I never heard of that are making much less expensive chargers. I really don't know the quality and the durability of that equipment, but a cheaper way to get started and, you know, you want to just get the charger that's going to have a cord long enough to charge up your car. And then you're going to want to find an electrician that can do the wiring. And hey, it could be seven or $800 to have that electrician run the conduit to where you're going to mount the charger. Now, one of the things that we do a lot here at Cinnamon Energy Systems is we use inverters from SolarEdge, actually, that have a built-in charging capability. So we can actually charge your car directly from DC power from the solar array if you use the charger that's integrated with SolarEdge. Now, the SolarEdge charger is still kind of a separate expensive thing, about the same price as a Siemens or a Bosch charger. It's a nice solid piece of equipment, but it plugs right into the inverter and you can control the charger from the same app you use to control your solar and storage system. So a very elegant solution and it's what a lot of our customers are putting in. So that's what we've got for home chargers. What about installing an EV charger for a company, for your business? And we're doing some of that for some customers are actually upgrading our office with EV chargers. And it's a really nice fringe benefit to be able to provide EV charging to your employees. People come into work, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning, they plug in their car, the company's providing a free perk, or you can even charge a little bit for that electricity, whatever you want to do. The car is fully charged for the trip home, and that's a nice benefit. You can identify your corporate users because the most public, most commercial chargers have a way to authenticate who's using it. They might know about the car. There may be a barcode they have to scan in. And you can have different charging costs depending on the type of person that's plugging in. If it's a guest at your company, you might charge them 15 cents a kilowatt hour. If it's an employee, you know, maybe it's less or even zero. Now, all these good things have a trick to them. So there's a big limitation to the corporate EV charging. And the big limitation is, although the kilowatt hour costs, the energy costs for companies, it's actually less than for a home. So big companies might be paying 15 cents a kilowatt hour for electricity, whereas at home you might be paying 20 or 30. The thing is that commercial customers also pay this thing called the demand charge. The utilities charge more money per month based on the peak electricity demand of the company. Kind of makes sense because the reason they do that is some companies have a tremendous peak demand and the utility needs bigger transformers and bigger wires feeding that building and they charge for it accordingly. So these demand charges that, you know, when I was kind of looking at it last week, up to $25 a kilowatt. So what happens is if your company has this big spike Every morning, because you've got all these employees plugging in their car at 8 or 9 in the morning and there's a peak kilowatt demand charge, you could have thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars extra charges on your company's electric bill because everybody's charging up at the same time in the morning. You know, there's ways to kind of adjust that. You may say that people can only charge up slowly or you may stagger it. So some chargers may start charging at 9, some at 11, some at 1. But it takes a little bit of thinking natural thing the companies want to do, which is to provide this free charging perk, it's actually quite expensive. Now, the good news is utilities have experimental rates for corporate EV charging. And I haven't really dug into what those experimental rates are, but you know, it's kind of a good idea. The costs for these commercial chargers, you know, it's not like $1,000 or $500 for a cheap charger you can buy. When you look at the installation costs and the cost for the charging system, 
They're interconnected, so they've got some networking capabilities, cellular capabilities. They can authenticate credit cards. They can detect the model and serial number of the vehicle, so you don't have to plug in that information, or you may swipe a barcode. The costs are in the range of $10,000 to $30,000 per charging station, depending on the charging rates and the software options. And it goes up from there if you have to run some extra electrical capacity. So if you put in a fast DC charger, it's going to be a lot more. But these chargers are popping up all over. Your car has an app in it. You push a button and it says, there's a charger over here. There's a charger over there. Just drive over there. You can gas up. It's a great idea. But it's not super easy to use these EV charging networks. So you look at your app, you figure it out. When you go to a new EV charger, that's a public charger, you're going to have to come up with a form of payment. It's not a cash register. You're going to have to put in some kind of piece of plastic or something. And it's going to need to know a little bit about the vehicle. Now, the charging networks are pretty smart. Tesla knows that you're an authorized user. EVgo has some capabilities. Ford partnered with one of the national networks. I forgot exactly which one that actually allows you to charge up. I think you get 250 kilowatt hours free, which is a pretty good amount. So there's some good capabilities there. But these networks are getting more popular. They're kind of everywhere, but you're going to have to make sure that you're authorized for that. Now, the options on these charging networks, sometimes they charge per hour. Sometimes they charge by a per kilowatt hour rate. So you may say, oh, gee, it's only $5 for me to charge up for an hour, but it's not going to be charging very fast. You're going to kind of get a very slow charge. So the faster chargers may charge a lot more, but you can you know, get your car 80% charged pretty quickly. I've also experienced and seen that not all the public chargers are actually working. Sometimes there's a glitch. Sometimes it doesn't want to talk to your car. Sometimes there's a limitation on one or the other. And then here's the very important thing. You have to configure your car, your app, and your payment options before you really need that first emergency charge. It's kind of like the first time when you were a kid, you had to pump gas. I mean, your parents, your dad, your mom showed you, this is how you put the credit card in or pay the attendant inside. Or hey, in New Jersey, they take care of everything for you. But in the rest of the world, you got to figure out how to do it. How you open up the gas cap and fill that up. So practice don't wait until it's emergency the first time you charge up and you probably want to become experienced charging up at a variety of different charging networks. Now charging compatibility you know, with those pretty much except for the Tesla network everything's going to be interchangeable. The one thing I mentioned is making sure that you have a long enough charger cord so that where you mount your charger you can charge your car in the garage or perhaps outside the garage for guests. There's going to be apps that come with your car. There's an app that probably comes with your charger, your charging network, and you want to get that all that configured so that you can get it to work. And in many, many cases, the first time you try and get this all configured, it's a little bit tricky. We're pretty happy with the way the app works on SolarEdge, where on my SolarEdge inverter, I can say, all right, start charging only after midnight because that's when electricity is cheap. Plug in my car when I come home at 7 or 7.30 at night and nothing happens, but it shows that the car's connected. And then at midnight, the thing charges up and it starts charging until it's either full or until I unplug it in the morning. So all works really, really well. So let's talk just very briefly about some of the future capabilities. And you know, the one that everybody talks about, which is just really compelling, <laughs> frustrating that it's not here yet, is what's called vehicle to grid. That's basically where you can use that large battery in your car. I mean, a lot of the new EVs have 100 kilowatt hour batteries. That's huge. I mean, we're putting 16 kilowatt hour batteries on our solar system, so our customer solar systems, but your car has a battery that's like five or six times bigger than that. And so just kind of 
is a little bit of a joke and a gimmick. There was a Mustang Mach-E Christmas commercial. You might have seen it, and you know, for fans of the vacation movies, Chevy Chase and all that goofiness there. Clark Griswold wanted to turn his Christmas lights on, and his house didn't have enough power to turn the enormous Christmas light decorations on. He probably didn't have LEDs. He probably had incandescents, used a lot of power. But basically, his wife plugged into his new electric vehicle, and boom, you know, powered the whole house. That's vehicle to grid. We're not there yet. And the reason why we're not there yet is car companies don't like the concept because if you use your battery every night, to power your house and then you charge it up in the morning or, you know, vice versa, you're going to be using that battery a lot, but it's not going to be for driving the car. And the car companies guarantee the powertrain, guarantee the life of that battery based on an expected amount of driving. And if you're using the battery a lot for charging and discharging every day for your home, it's going to compromise the battery's warranty. So we're not quite there yet. I've seen lots of articles where Nissan says that their EVs are compatible with this vehicle to grid, but I haven't really seen it yet. And I kind of wonder how that's going to work because where are you going to charge up the EV? You can't charge it at work. You got to charge it at home at night. And if you're using the battery at night for your house, then it can't be charging at the same time. So it's kind of tricky, but I think we'll get there eventually. My view is that it's more likely that people are just going to put in batteries in their house and they're going to have a battery in their car. And the house battery charges up during the day from solar and it discharges at night. And the car battery charges up during the day from excess solar, maybe charge up from fork, or the car battery may charge up from the house battery. You might have a big battery there, partially charged from that. But you're not going to have one battery for both purposes, even though it'd be elegant. It just it doesn't really seem to be working yet. Now, other things that are happening in the future, there's going to be more integration with home energy applications. So your solar and your HVAC and your domestic hot water tank and your EV, they're all going to kind of think and have some artificial intelligence so that they're going to minimize your electric bill. That's something that's compelling to customers, homeowners and businesses, obviously not compelling to utility because they want to sell more electricity, but eventually that'll happen. So I'm not looking towards the utility, making it easier for all these appliances to talk to each other because the only result of that is you're using less electricity and that's not really good for the utilities. But there are companies that are offering those capabilities. And then the other thing that's happening with EV charging is the battery longevity is getting longer. New batteries are coming out. And battery capacity continues to go up as the costs come down. So that's really good. And then the, the last thing as far as future capabilities is just one word, pickups. The most popular car in the United States is the Ford F-150 pickup. And there has been announcement from Ford recently that they're going to have an electric pickup. I would love to have our fleet of work trucks here at Cinnamon Energy Systems to be electric. We don't really drive that far. I mean, probably 30 or 40 miles a day tops. And it's just a perfect match, but they really don't make you know commercial pickups yet. And this is something, you know, the battery's heavy and the, the truck is already pretty heavy, but that's going to come. And I'm looking forward to having those electric pickups for our workers. And also we'll have charging stations for those pickups. All right, so just in conclusion to wrap things up, the EVs, no longer a gimmick. They're quite popular out here in California and around the world, and that popularity is expanding across the country. The benefits are substantial, just rattling off a few. Lower operating costs, better driving experience. Best for the environment when you charge for renewable energy. The inconveniences that we have in terms of range anxiety, difficulty finding charging stations, that's all going away because there's just many more public charging options and the batteries are getting you know much better, much longer range. And then a lot of vehicle choices. So, you know, that's coming back to the word pickups and SUVs. 
The most popular EVs right now are sedans, but I expect that to be SUVs, just like the most popular cars are SUVs. And we're going to see the same thing take off as far as pickups in a few years. All right. That's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcasts.